This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Boston Loose Baseball coming your way after Ryan Zimmerman weekend. We will discuss the big event the Nationals put on. You will hear our interview with Ryan Zimmerman right here on this podcast coming up right now. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. We welcome you into Bustin' Loose Baseball. Darius Dameron is our producer, Grant Paulson, and Danny Ruye with you. And Danny, what a weekend it was at Nationals Park. Ryan Zimmerman weekend over the last few days. You and I tragically, in a sports sense, both had obligations and weren't able to be at the ballpark. But I got to watch the entire one-hour ceremony, got to see all the videos that were put together for Zim, all the tributes that were done, including a toast during the game, him throwing out the first pitch to his dad, Keith, his kids shouting, play ball. The Nationals should take a bow, man. What an incredible job. What a classy endeavor the entire weekend turned into as the number 11 was now retired by the Nationals, never to be worn again. That was my big takeaway, was what a wonderful job by the Nationals. Just splendid. Listen, there's turmoil. There's stuff going on. We know what's happening on the field where they lost four or five to the Phillies this weekend. And uh, at one point, I think it lost eight or nine in a row. I understand what's happening with the ownership group, with Masson, all the trials and tribulations. And are they going to keep Juan Soto and this and that? I'll tell you what, when it was time to step up and do it, they did it. This Nationals organization deserves a kind of you know, victory tour here. Pat yourself on the back a couple times. That was classy. That was well done. That was the right tone. Everything about it was really, really, really good for a guy that was the reason. Now, th- there's a couple different you know, sort of stages of Nats fans here, right, GP? It was the folks that you know, were, were just starving for the idea of baseball to come back to Washington, D.C. for the first time since the early 70s. Those folks watched Jose Vidro and Vinny Castilla and uh, you know, Tim Redding and Matt Chico and, and all the rest with you know, great aplomb, going to a, a, a place that was frankly a dump on stilts that flooded, was infested with rats and gross at RFK Stadium, where the offices were in trailers. Once... That first season kind of, you know, was 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 well underway and it was a lot of fun in the first half, especially enter Ryan Zimmerman for the new fans, for folks just kind of getting used to the rhythms of a baseball season. He was the reason to go. He was the reason to be excited. He was the he was the, the person that all the kids had jerseys or jerseys of and who they wanted to be like, the hometown kid, you know, Virginia Beach, three hours away. I just made that trip this weekend, by the way, right at three hours. And that was the most Awesome thing that this was our homegrown guy that you saw the entire arc of his career 
just as he grew and matured himself, he always talks about he grew up with this fan base, an amazing encapsulation of his whole career and really kind of the last, to me, fond farewell of 2019. The last vestiges of that World Series team that we were robbed of the proper celebrations of, that was kind of the last time we sort of got to give one final you know, stadium full, super excited fans to give that well-deserved kind of round of applause and, and uh, you know, kind of a fairly well to the great number 11. That was really cool. Yeah, I loved in his speech at the parade after the World Series when he talked about having grown up with D.C. as a baseball town. Because it's true, right? In their infancy together, Zimmerman, a rookie in this town, learning the game of baseball at the major league level after a generation of folks not having had it, they really did come of age together through the tribulations and the losses and then the winning and eventually culminating with that 2019 championship. I mean, he is such an emotional guy. He, he is such a um, wear his emotions on his sleeve and, and, and powerful moments player that he was broken up the entire time. I mean, there were some real highlights and some real, I thought, touching tributes, including having his mom who is suffering from MS. I know it costs near and dear to your heart. That's right. Having lost your mother to multiple sclerosis. But having her voice part of his video... Was so, oh man! I mean that 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 busted me up a little it, bit. I'll immediately be honest with you. Yeah. brought tears to my eyes. Having him throw the first pitch, quote unquote, having a catch with his dad while holding his oldest son. Like who got through that with dry eyes? And and then the speeches were amazing. From I thought Ian Desmond, what, what a class act he always was, and he hit it out of the park. Worth's note that he struck was perfect because it was Jason Worth, like on brand, right? I didn't write anything down. I'm not going to say anything overly touching. <laughs> But I came here for you, Zim, as a free agent, and I came here for you today, and I'm I'm glad we helped build this organization into what it became. I thought that was really cool. Davey Martinez couldn't get through a sentence without his voice cracking, and he had Zimmerman in tears, and he talked about how much he misses him because he was his you know, calming influence. And I didn't realize the relationship they had where Zim would be in his office after games at night having a beer and I don't want to say coaching with him, but essentially – trying to keep him steady and calm and asking him how he was doing. Remember, as as he was on the verge, potentially, of being fired before they turned it around in 2019. So a lot of those types of anecdotes that came out were just really touching. The, the tribute video itself, to get Dan Hudson and, and Trey Turner and Anthony Rendon from that World Series team, so many others. Sean Doolittle was hilarious in that, who brought flowers out to the mom. I mean, they just they hit everything. The moment where it struck me just how detailed this entire preparation was was when they had a handful of season ticket holders who have been around since Zim's first season lift up the cover over top of Ryan Zimmerman's um, nameplate now around the ring in the arena of of their Ring of Honor, Ring of Fame, whatever they call it. Like that type of detail. They could have just had someone pull a rope, but they're telling you, hey, this is the names of these season ticket holders. They thought of everything. And I just, I cannot commend the team enough. I can't imagine how special it was for Zim and and Heather and the family. And uh, it was just perfect. And it was a nice reminder, I think, Danny, of of why Zim is so important to this city. Because he said it best in his speech. Like, he was a great player. I'll say that. He didn't. He said I was pretty good. He was a great player early in his career. And it looked to me like he was on his way to maybe winning an MVP award and becoming a superstar. He gets hurt. He ends up being a really good player. For a long time. And he had some down seasons. And he was he was in and out of the lineup. And he was battling injury. And his body's breaking down on him. But his, his number 11 is not even retired because he was great. That's part of it. 
it's because of how he treated people. You know, it's because of what he meant and how much he showed other players and people in the organization how to act just by doing it. You know, something it sounds like he learned from his father, leading by example and doing it quietly, something that his teammates like Desmond brought up. The guy thanked the clubbies in his speech. You know, he went individually to the coaches and 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 he he thanked Harolyn Cardoza, who's like Mike Rizzo's assistant, who's the team mom. Like, it was the perfect Zimmerman speech. He really is that kind of dude, and, and it's so fitting that number 11 will never be worn again. I liked how they had him take off the jersey, by the way, hand it to his father, who walked it over to the clubhouse attendant to take you know downstairs, mm-hmm. and it was the last time anyone would wear the jersey, and then he put on his suit jacket. I thought that was perfect. Just aces. Yeah, again, every, again, tip of the cap to the Nationals. Everything about it was perfect, I thought. But to your point, I, I was texting with a couple of my uh, college teammates. One's a, a Mets fan, and another is uh, um, a, a Dodgers fan, actually. from He's from out west. And he was kind of like, he seems like an awesome dude talking about Zim. Because, but it, it, does it seem strange to you that they're retiring his jersey? And then, you know, he starts talking about the, the Met fan was like, yeah, like, look at the Yankee greats or like, you know, look at the Dodger greats. And I'm going, you guys, with all due respect, you don't get this one. And it's, it's, that's okay. Because if you're just an outsider, you go to a baseball reference page, you see, hey, good career, derailed by injuries, you know, nice big league career. That was really, really good. You don't get what this means. And it's almost impossible to quantify unless you lived it. It's almost impossible to, to explain to people the, the pressure on this guy, the grace with which he handled all of it, including, you know, in 2012, he's answering questions every single day. Yep, I wish I could throw better. Yep, I wish I could raise my arm over my head to throw. I'm, I'm nervous about it, too. This stinks. All of that stuff. All he did was just face stuff head on with, um, again, with that kind of um, – the word I keep coming up with is, is, is grace that is, is just so unusual. And, you know, how other-centered he is and how just thoughtful and – uh, and 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 kind and, and generous, all while doing something that only a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of people can do uh, at a really really high level. And I just wish everybody that that kind of saw him at the end could have seen him for those few years in a row where he was basically a 300 hitter hitting about 30 homers and playing Gold Glove caliber third base. He was so damned good over there, just natural. He had kind of those you know those Brooks Robinson kind of hands and the ability to make throws from all kinds of funny angles and just the things that he could do were just absolutely remarkable over there and he was you know really coming into his own as a hitter with a great plan and kind of digesting what pitchers are trying to do to him and adjusting on the fly and that opposite field right center power that he just wore out that right center field gap time after time swinging that 35 inch bat which by the way is like holding up a, a tree trunk to a, a normal human being but he made it look easy just the, the 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 way that he was able to play for so many years and then kind of having to reinvent himself into this part-time guy and all the preparation, the stuff that we never saw, those hours per day to get his body to the point that it would hold up just to be a part-time player. That level of grind and care, and he never bragged about it. He never, you know, was was out letting, showing Instagram videos of himself, you know, stretching in a certain way or working this, that way or the other with a trainer just so he could take some ground balls at first base that afternoon. What he went through was really, really, really hard. He did it really well for a long time. You could tell that was part of his speech where I thought he was most emotional. It was when he talked about keeping him on the field. And he said the only way to to get respect as a baseball player is to be on the field and play every day. And he was thanking the training staff for how hard they worked to keep him on the field as much and as often as they did. 
Uh, but it was. It was an amazing ceremony. I hope that the fans that got to be there thoroughly enjoyed themselves. It'll be the most special day of this season. They sold out 42,000-plus in the ballpark uh, that day, which is just amazing. Yeah, way to go, Nets fans. In a season like this. And, and for people who watched it on Masson or, or heard it on 106.7 The Fan, I mean, we were all kind of small parts of it, which was nice. And he talked about that number 11, you know, being as much about the fans as it is about him, which I found to be a really nice uh, sentiment. But I, I hope he's around. You know, I hope he's a fixture and involved. Uh, we saw him on the broadcast once this year. I'd like to see more of that. Uh, I'd, be, I'd be nice, though, if he ended up serving in some role. I, I was thinking about you know, just how he treats people and, and what kind of role model he is. I really believe, I don't know what his acumen is as a talent evaluator or anything like that, but I really believe he could be a front office executive if he wanted to. I mean, he's got that type of respect and just people skills. And I would think he could learn the scouting and the development parts of it if he doesn't already have it just naturally, having been around the game his whole life. But if he wanted to be an executive or a member of a coaching staff or manager, and I don't think he does, he's got kids and a family, but anything he wanted to do, he could. And I really do hope it's here in Washington because, you know, he is Mr. National. And that ceremony drove that home, I think, where we've talked about Bryce and Strauss and Soto at different moments or Scherzer, as an example, being so beloved. Zim's hangs out and the rest of them are below him on that list all by himself. Uh, but uh, the big moments, seeing the video they put together, people sleep, you know, even at the end of his That's career. That's right, yeah. Where like you, and I'm not joning on you, but you, you correctly said, like he was kind of a shell of what he once was at the end of his career for younger people seeing him. Even at that time, that three-run homer against the Dodgers, I got chills thinking about the ball he hit up around his eyes. Yep. Over center field, as you mentioned, or, or the uh, the World Series homer oh, against Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole. Or uh, if you go back to the Cubs series in Game 2 of the Division Series that ended up going five games, and he got the Nats even basically 1-1 with one of the biggest hits at that time in their postseason. Like He had massive moments. He's obviously Mr. Walkoff because he had double-digit walk-offs in his career. But, uh, man, it's just so many marquee all-time kind of sequences that he was right in the middle of. Uh, he, he homered off Adam Wainwright to, uh, in, in Game 5 in 2012 to help put him up big. And, you know, th- there were a million of those kind of plays. They don't get past the wild card game, the playing game, if he doesn't get that base hit off Josh Hader, that little duck snort. And Brewers that, that falls before in. the World Series run. Yeah. It's just so many great moments, man. And thinking of him, and I, I kind of zoomed in on him uh, against the Cardinals in Game 4 of the sweep. And the fly ball goes to center field. As it's going into the glove of the center fielder, just my eyes were immediately drawn to him with the holy bleep, this is really happening, kid at the candy store face, as he runs across the field to embrace Anthony Rendon, which would kind of be their signature thing that they, of course, do at the end of the World Series as well. And my thoughts weren't, you know, for me as a fan, weren't for me as someone that, that covered the team, was doing pregame shows with you and, and everything else. It was, I'm happy for that guy. That's really a strange and rare thing, right? Where normally as a fan, you're going, yes, my team won. I'm so glad about that. I immediately go, my first joy that sparked inside me. I had some selfish joy in a moment later. Bear with me. But my first joy was Ryan Zimmerman is happy. That's great. you know, And that's a really unique thing. Totally true. Yeah, and, and one other thing I'd say if we're, if we're reminiscing about just moments in Zim in that championship run and his reactions, I had one of the coolest opportunities ever, which was – Game 7, World Series Houston. For the radio broadcast, Charlie and Dave, I went on the field to get an interview as that game ended. And they wanted me to try to get a couple of players from the celebration on the broadcast so that 
fans back home vicariously could kind of live through the sounds of that bedlam. And how it works is as a rights holder, since 106.7, the fan, our parent company, um, in Odyssey are, are, are the flagship home of the Nats. There's a few companies that get to go downstairs and wait in the bowels of the stadium for the game to end. So we're basically in like the, the tunnel where the umpires go in and out right behind home plate watching the end of the game. And the second the game ends, that final out's recorded, they open that gate. And whoever's televising the game, so like TBS or Fox, let's say, and then whoever's got the national rights, ESPN Radio, and then the two local TV and radio affiliates. So you're talking about like six maybe media companies with a producer, an on-air person, and, and you know an engineer or something. What so, is it's a very limited number. Yeah, it's like 10 to 15 folks in, in line. And we run out onto the field, and that's where you get that video you've seen a million times of, of being there as players are hugging each other or whatever. And so I ran out, and literally I'm getting out onto the field as the players are now coming together and dogpiling. And I remember I, I posted a video on Instagram, if you go back far enough, on, on my account, Grant H. Paulson, where it's, it's Zim just kind of, saying, holy ass, like, I can't effing believe it, you know, and he's hugging whoever's there. He's hugging whoever's right around him and, and trying to hold back tears at that moment. And just being there kind of, I'm talking about, I could have tackled one of these guys if I wanted to, trying to not get involved in the celebration and just be a fly on the wall to pick up the audio was uh, it was an all-time moment. And to your point, you're thinking about it right then, you're going, good for this dude. You know, good for this guy. Speaking of Zimmerman, we were able to catch up with him on our show on 106.7, the fan Grant and Danny, right before the ceremony. So we talked about what he was expecting, but also he reminisced and told some stories, and and we got to the bottom of, you know, why he means so much to Washington, D.C. Hopefully you guys enjoy this conversation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. See you later. We are joined by Ryan Zimmerman ahead of Zim Weekend at Nationals Park. Should be a blast. Ryan, thanks for hopping on. How you been? I'm good, guys. How are you? Doing great, my friend. Uh, first of all, congratulations. Second of all, do you get it? Like, has it does it has it kind of sunk in how beloved you are and and all this fuss that's being made over you for this whole weekend? A bunch of your former teammates are coming back, and it's like Ryan Zimmerman Day, and then it's like also Ryan Zimmerman Day another day, and then there's like a jersey, then there's like a bobblehead, and then there's like a pizza named after you. All this stuff is for you, man. Do you kind of understand what you mean? Um, no, I mean, I, I really don't get it. Um just because and I've said this a million times and we've talked about this before, uh, you know, not on the air, but like, I, I just played baseball, man. Like that's why like everyone always 
thanks me for doing all like I did some like you know some crazy work around the world like you're or something a military like that. member I mean, like thank yeah. you for your service yeah yeah I mean I played baseball for 16 17 years whatever it was and got to do a bunch of cool stuff and have a great life and you know I, I you know I, I I appreciate it and I'm honored obviously um but at the end of the day I think there's people certainly around here that are I feel are way more important and deserving of a lot of credit and recognition than I am. But, uh, you know, it's nice. It's going to be fun to finally take a second to sort of step back and, you know, be with a bunch of people that were, you know, a part of this run and a reason why I'm being honored. I mean, you know, it's impossible to do this stuff by yourself. So, um, I think I'll finally actually take a step back and sort of kind of look at some of the things that, that I did over 17 years, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. But, uh, but yeah, I really don't get it to answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> it jump starts. The, the ceremonies tomorrow, I think. They've got an event between the games with uh, some of the players that are coming back, and then obviously Saturday is, is the big ceremony. Mm-hmm. Is there something specific you're looking forward to most about this experience over the next few days? I think just seeing all the people, um, you know, me and I've joked with Heather, I feel like we're getting ready for like a wedding or something. Um, (laughs) you know, people are coming in from all over town. Everyone's like, Oh, you never know. And you'll see this many different people in the same room together ever again. And like, you almost feel nervous. You don't want to mess anything up. You know, you want to make sure you get good pictures. Uh, so I think I'm just excited to see so many people that, you know, in all honesty, are the main reason why I was able to to have the career that I had, you know, that I was able to accomplish a lot of the things that I did accomplish. Um, None of that was done individually. None of it was done without help from a lot of these people. So it's kind of like, uh, it's nice to be able to share this weekend with with people that mean the most to me. Did you guys do a cake test? Did you, did you get to sit down and try all the foods out and stuff like you were? The at? best part, man. Uh, that, that is the best part of a wedding, after all. So if we're gonna if we're gonna do a wedding weekend. We well, might as well try some cakes, you know? Yeah. Well, that's the only time you ever get to eat your food at your wedding is when you try it out <laughs> before the wedding because you don't eat anything during your wedding. <laughs> Ryan Zimmerman with us here on, on GND. We talked right after you sort of officially announced your, your retirement and kind of going into the season, and, and you had some time to reflect. Well, now you've had even more. Give me your first. Oh my God! Type moment. The first kind of wide-eyed thing was it the first time you met Frank Robinson? Was it the first walk-off because you had two trillion of those? Was it the first time you saw some picture you'd seen on TV? Like, give me your first holy bleep moment. Yeah, I mean, walking into an office and meeting Frank Robinson as a twenty-year-old is pretty intimidating and a hell of a way to start start your career. You know, just trying to just trying to blend in and, and not, uh, you know sit in your locker and not say anything and not be in the way. And you have to go in there and introduce yourself to literally a living legend. Um, that's a good place to start. Um, first pitcher I faced that was kind of a moment was John Smoltz mm. for me. I remember, I remember it. I mean, I, I grew up watching the Braves. They were on TV every night. Um, you know, and to, that was the first time I, I really faced someone where I looked out there and I felt like I was, facing a grown man. Um, I was a 20 year old and I looked out there and he just looked mean and looked, you know, he had his yeah. white cotton t-shirt on under his Jersey. And I'm like, Holy cow, I am not in college anymore. Um, 
so that those are two things that that come to mind right 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 out of the gate in that first year um it's crazy to think how long ago that was and how hard it is to remember some of those early times and it seems like just yesterday is when when that stuff happened Zim, this might not even be the best word I'm, I'm going to use for the question in terms of how important it was for you this for this to happen. But when I look back at your career, I'm happy for you that 2017 took place because you had this year where you were healthy and you were yourself at the plate. Like you hit three bills and you hit 36 bombs and you were an all star again. Is there any part of you that's like relieved or or like just glad you had one more of those? Because I just think, you know, as your career went on, like you were on your way to, to just being an annual MVP candidate and all these things and, and then had to kind of reinvent yourself. But you got back to being that middle-of-the-order feared slugger again. Do you think about that at all? Yeah, and as I've had to, like, think about my career this past week or so and prepare remarks and things like that, um, you know, honestly, I think – you know, that's kind of what I'm most proud of is, you know, the consistency and the perseverance through a lot of the injuries, a lot of the, you know, the position changes, the, you know, you could say early in my career, like you said, I, I got off to a really good start, uh, made an all-star team, you know, was one of these young up and coming, think you're going to be, like you said, an MVP candidate every year. And then all of a sudden, shoulder problems, a lot of things like that, you know, and then it was kind of like, well, what's he going to do now? What's going to happen? And I had to work hard to stay healthy, learn a new position, like you said, reinvent myself. And I think, uh, you know, I took pride in that. I didn't want to go out that way, being hurt, doing things like that. And then even after that 2017 season and kind of settling into a role where I don't play, every day, um, you know, it was, it was a challenge for me to continually evolve as my career went on, but that's the only way you can survive for that long at the top levels. Very rarely, you know, there's very rare Tom Brady's and, you know, guys that just produce and don't have any real you know, controversy or hurdles to get over. Uh, that just doesn't happen very long if you play long enough. So, 2017 was awesome. Uh, I'm very proud of that. I think I kind of proved to everyone that I can still do it. And honestly, to a lot of people, like we always joke, a lot of the young guys that I was playing with in the end, they never even knew I played third base, which (laughs) is fine. I mean, I don't think, I I don't know. Why would they know I played third base? I mean, um, well, and I'm not trying to pump your tires because you're on the air or anything. Right. But like we were talking about this, like we have a producer who grew up, he wore 11 playing baseball, Ryan did, because he's got your name, he's a Nats fan, whatever. Like, he knows you as, like, first baseman, first baseman Ryan, Ryan Zimmerman. And yeah. our point is... You don't know, like, dude. To, to, to teenagers, to, like, Nats marks who got in with, like, veteran Bryce or, like, oh, this Juan Soto guy's pretty good, I like him. They just don't get yeah. it. Like, it was, like, you and David Wright at that position and, like, anybody else going to compete with these dudes? So it is funny now that it almost feels like we're old talking about that, but I know it's what old people do. Well, we we kind of are. We kind of well, yes. are old. Danny and I, we started the show today talking about how old we talking were. Talking about my rotary phones, Em. Yeah. It's a show. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Social media didn't exist when I played third base. Think about that. Uh, it's probably a good thing but, uh, for uh, for everyone yeah, that social media didn't exist at one point. 
Yeah, but you know, I mean, I, you know, that's part of my journey, and that's part of part of my career. And um, you know, I never shied away from the throwing problems or the injuries, or uh, you know, I think the only way to, to deal with those kind of things is, is to face them head on, and that's obviously, you know, physically. But I think talking to you guys, talking to the media, talk, I mean, it's not going to go away. Um, you know face the problems, learn how to adapt or learn how to, you know, get through them. And, and, uh, that's what I tried to do. So one of those stupid hypotheticals, all right, you have to, you have to pick one starting tomorrow. You got to go through the routine that you had to do every day to be healthy and be available to play. Like you just got to start doing that again, or you have to play one more season, but spring training is twice as long. Which would you pick? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, if I have to play the season that spring training is twice as long, like I'm 100% healthy, nothing ever hurts and I don't have to do all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would do that even as much as I hate spring training, like and just, you, and you have I mean, to play in all road spring training, games. all of them, buses and everything. <laughs> <laughs> no backfield, no split squad. <laughs> To know that I'm going to play 162 games feeling unbelievable, <laughs> I would do that. And you guys know how much I hate spring training. Yes, that's, that's, so that's why I asked. That, that, that shows you how much like it would be a joy to play a season without anything hurting. Uh, and also, I think all of us who have ever played in the big leagues, I think would just wonder what kind of numbers we could put up if we, if we play, especially if I was the only one in the league that had that that opportunity because then I'd be playing against guys that are banged up. So I would have a huge advantage. So I, as much as I hated spring training, I would, I would 100% take that. I've never thought about it that way, but that's actually such a good point. Like if you yeah. were at and I could show up at like six o'clock, yeah. if I didn't have to do anything to get ready, I could show up at six o'clock. Like I used to in like high school and just throw my uniform on and go out there and be like 20% healthier than everyone else on the field. You can eat Bonchon at four. Oh, walk down half street. Just hit nukes. <laughs> Go hit a, awesome. a couple of bombs against a pitcher with a dead arm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, I want to get to some big picture things with Zim in a moment, but more specifically on this weekend, if you're going out to the ballpark, it's going to be a blast. I think they're going to pack the joint. Probably the, the few sellouts there's going to be the rest of the way. It's going to be pretty incredible. H- do you keep up with most of the guys that are coming back? You mentioned that's kind of your favorite part. I saw the list. They've got a ton of players it's really neat. They're bridging a bunch of eras from before the, the team got rolling to the, to the glory years to even more recently now. Uh, how much do you keep up with those guys, and, and how involved in any of the uh, like the planning were you, or do they just say, show up this day at this time, and, and you'll be there? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I try and keep in touch with as many of them as I can. I mean, you, you develop pretty good relationships with with teammates, and, um, you know, life life gets busy, so it's it's harder and harder to keep up with, with them as, as much as I would like to. But, um, you know, we had some special, special groups and, um, you know, even, you know, the teams before 12, we weren't, we weren't playing that well, but a lot of those years were such big developmental years for me personally. And a lot of those guys taught me so much about how to carry myself, how to play the game the right way. Um, and learning all that while we were losing, I think made it even even more special that those guys kind of took took the time to take care of me, um, and then you know basically from 2012 to to 19 and 20, I mean 
you know, those teams were special because we were all pretty pretty darn good, to be honest with you. I mean, we're, we're pretty much making the playoffs most of the years, and if we didn't make the playoffs, we were in it until the very end. Um, so, you know, the, the bond with, with those, those guys is, is special as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I had a say in some things, um, you know, they've done a, the nationals have done a great job and taking care of, you know, anything me and my family needed for this weekend. Um, they haven't told me much on purpose. I think they're trying, uh, as hard as it is to surprise grownups. I think they're, <laughs> they're trying as hard as they can. Um, so I'm, I know, like, you know, some of the players that are coming, I really have no clue besides what time I have to be there on Saturday, really what is happening as That's far cool. as, no, it's great. As far as, you know, the presentation, the ceremony, the program, I really don't know what's going on. So um, I think they've done a great job. You know, hopefully the fans and, and the community enjoy it. You know, like I've said, I've, I've done a couple of these radio things over the past couple of days. And, you know, I think this is a celebration for the fans and for, you know, the city and, and kind of this generation that's learned how to, to love baseball again. It's kind of for, for them, I say as much as for me, but I honestly think it's probably more for them than me. Um, you know, we, we kind of grew up together is what I always say. You know, a lot of these fans struggled through 100 lost seasons before people even knew when 100 lost seasons were around here. A lot of people don't even know we stunk before 2012. Uh, so, you know, I think it's going to be cool to see all these people kind of look back and, and be able to celebrate such a cool, cool run with me. I'm, I'm excited about that. So, Zim, I hadn't seen this, but the young people that, that work here apparently told me this was old news. But just bear with me for a second. I saw a video not too long ago of Jason Worth in like a Ponce de Leon league hitting an absolute tank off some 55-year-old consultant, right? You know, you know the thing I'm talking yes. about, yeah? Yep. How many yeah, years How many years until is – that, is that Ryan Zimmerman for some – Opposing team, whether it's softball or some baseball ringer in some old man's league, are you going to walk out there and ruin somebody's night? Oh, man. I don't know. Like, I would have said, like, you would have never seen Jason Worth doing it. Like, I would have bet a lot of money that you would never see J-Dub playing men's league baseball or anything like that. So, like, I would say never for me. But I've seen him do it, so like now I'm terrified that I'm going to want to do it at some point too. Because <laughs> right now you got because so many kids; they're all so young. But you know, your your pal starts texting you, and all of a sudden, right? Yeah, I mean, I think right now, like the the, the actual thought process that just went through my mind is like I have a free night where I can do anything. Like men's league, men's league baseball game is like one millionth on the list of something <laughs> that I would do. I mean, there are so many things that if if I had a free night like by myself, not even just a free night me and Heather, like you're talking a free night by myself. Yeah. Oh man, like I don't even know what I would try and do all the things. Um, <laughs> but but men's baseball league would not be one of them. Now that being said, I feel like Jason Words would give you the same exact answer, and he ended up there. So I'm terrified that that's going to be me at some point. Ryan Zimmerman with us. Here on Grant and Danny, a couple of moments left with Zim ahead of his weekend at Nationals Park. If you're going out to the ballpark, we'll be out there throughout the weekend as a radio station out in the left field concourse, the 106.7 The Fan Red Box. 
All right, I've got some rapid-fire ones here for Zim before we let him go. Just kind of lightning round, quick uh, fill-in-the-blank answer stuff uh, before we let him go. So, Danny, you can jump in and give a couple here as we go, too. You got it. All right, ready? I'm going to go, Zim, worst unwritten rule in baseball. Your least favorite unwritten rule. Uh, can't swing 3-0. Good one. Good one. Favorite ballpark to play in outside of D.C. in your career? San Diego. Funniest teammate you ever had? Oh, Pete Orr. Pete Orr. Pete Orr. What a name. Holy crap. That's great. I would never have had that in the office pool. Well, you probably haven't thought of Pete Orr in a while. I haven't thought of Pete Orr since when he last played in what, 06, 07? Is there a backstory way there? Back. Just... That's, that's way back. No, I mean, he's just, a, he's just one of the funniest guys I've ever seen. I love it. Um, how about the guy that when you first saw them, you were like, this guy's going to be unbelievable. One way or the other, maybe it didn't work out, but like you're like, the first time you saw a player, you were the most impressed by. Um, Anthony Rendon. Okay. Opposite end of the spectrum. Give me somebody you went. You know what? I don't see it. And then he won the MVP. <laughs> 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 yeah, I don't really Arsenal? see what they were talking about. Oh, that, Anywhere. Yeah. Uh, oh man. Oh man. Um. Gosh, that is a hard question. Uh, Pat, let me pass. Let me okay. think about it. I'll let you pass. Um, how about this one? And this is impossible to answer, too. But when you think of, like, the moments now that you get to relive, if you're putting together your montage, it's like a three-minute video that is being put together, and you have the director and producer credits, your opening highlight, in-game moment would be what? Uh, World Series. World Series home run? Just, uh, no, I think me hugging Anthony Rendon after we won. (laughs) I I don't really care. I don't really care how we got there. Just the end of it. Uh, The thing that, that bomb though, I I was, I remember I was texting my wife and she was like, are you okay? Is everything fine? Because you guys, I'm like, they're never going to get a hit off Garrett Cole. They're just never going to get a hit off this guy. And then you just took him deep. It was the best feeling in the world. It was like, he bleeds. He's a human. He was Drago, dude. You cut him. You cut him. It was was real. (laughs) I saw blood. Uh, But I'll take that. I'll take the celebration after the World Series, too. Which post-game celebration is one you remember the most? Obviously, the World Series, maybe notwithstanding. But just something where, whether it was a walk-off, whether it was good, bad, indifferent. I don't think it was. I think it was a... Gosh, one year we had the smoke. We had a smoke machine that we every time we won, we would we would have like this whole laser show and a smoke machine and all that stuff. I think it was twelve, somewhere around there. Might have been a little bit after twelve, but it was that around that group, like when we first started winning. And you know, we even traveled with it on the road. Wally, I think, hated that. He had to pack up like the laser lights, the the smoke machine, and everything. And even when we went on the road, they had that thing ready when we were going. So I think it's Milwaukee where we're at. And the dugouts are so close to the clubhouse in Milwaukee that there was a, I think Coco or someone was doing like an after game spot and there's smoke coming out of our dugout. And it literally looks like the stadium is on fire. Like, I mean, it is like pouring out of there. Um, And I mean, that's what I miss most. Like, you got grown men acting like complete idiots and it's like completely fine. Nobody even looks like 
the, the visiting clubhouse people are like, yeah, sure, set it up wherever you want. Like, you can do whatever you want. It's unbelievable. Like, you can't do any of that stuff in the real world. Like, it's it's crazy to think that 30, 30-year-old grown men would come in and dance and party with smoke machines and things like that after winning a Major League Baseball game. So, speaking of grown men acting like idiots, how caught up are you on fantasy football gate with Mike Trout and Tony Pham smacking people in the outfield and Jock Peterson with the receipts from the chat and all that kind of stuff. Have you seen all this? I've seen a little bit of it, yeah. I mean, if you're getting that bent out of shape about fantasy football, A, you're either in a league that costs too much money for you to play in, so you need to kind of check that, or B, like you're taking it way, way too seriously. I mean, I don't know. That's that's my... uh, that's my thought process on it without knowing all the uh, all the X's and O's to the to the argument and also slapping someone's a bold move. That's what? oh, and the open hand slap is is a is an interesting move. I was gonna say, what's Stop. the most escalated it got? Because I know Craig Stanley was the tournament director, and all that's all NCAA pools. That's fantasy bas- baseball yep. or football, whatever. What's the most heated it ever got? It was never really heated. It was just Max's dumb rules that he wanted to make every year. And so Max would always want, you know, a defensive player or, uh, you know, two, you know, we only, we did two quarterbacks, but like he wanted like, you know, three receivers, two running backs, two flexes. We're like, Max, there's going to be nobody left to pick (laughs) on the draft. Like we want this to be kind of easier and kind of fun. Like this isn't a real NFL league. And, you know, he would say, whatever, just bring it to both. So we would all get together. And, and, you know, when we're agreeing on the rules, you know, we'd get to the room and, like, everyone talked beforehand. And he'd propose his dumb rules. And he would be the only person to raise his hand. And then we would all just wear him out. And we're like, all right, Max. And he's like, whatever, guys. You guys are just scared, you know, all this stuff. But, you know, it's the Max Scherzer uh, fantasy football rules meeting was always uh, – what was always a fun part of the league. 11 to 1 vote. Well, Zim, the memories are going to live Amazing. on forever and ever, and I can't wait to see them all celebrated this weekend. It's a well deserved, awesome honor. You'll be the bell of the ball. Enjoy it. It's uh, Now that we're dads, I mean, we, and you know what it's like to have his kids old enough to enjoy it as well. That's cool, dude. The, the greatest thing ever for him. Have a blast, man. It's going to be a good time. All right. Thanks, guys. Always fun talking with you. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. That was Ryan Zimmerman, as heard this week on 106.7 The Fan. All right, looking ahead now, Danny. Nationals with multiple games at Camden Yards against the Orioles. Don't forget, this is where it all came apart last year. They went to Camden Yards 
in Baltimore. We thought, oh, this is a terrible team. They'll sweep them, and they'll be right back in the race. A couple of blown leads, a couple of home runs against Brad Hand, I think it was, melting down. And next thing you know, they decided they are selling everybody. I still think it was the right thing to do, but it was that series against the Orioles that really did them in. And now they go back to Baltimore for the first time since. Regional rivalry, so many of us here in the city, because the Nats didn't exist, grew up. Me, I'm a diehard Orioles fan my entire childhood, uh, my entire early life. That was where I went to watch games. That was the team I studied. Those were the players I was pretending to be in the batter's box. So it is uh, just a fascinating series whenever the two get together here in the area. No, it definitely is, and it's the most unique Sports rivalry, I think that there is at, at this point, right? They, they don't play all the time. Uh, they play every year, obviously, because it's it's regional. But the two ownership groups hate each other. Um, there's been nothing but you know uh, obstacles and disdain among them. Uh, it's the only organization that the Nationals have never done a deal with of any kind, and it's pretty obvious why. Uh, you see the turmoil in both Can ownership groups right quick? now. Yeah, please. They've never done a trade with the Baltimore Orioles. That's Everybody the only else? team in baseball that they've never had a trade struck with. It's not a coincidence. They hate each other's guts. Yeah, I mean, even divisional rivalries. Like, yeah, sure, we'll get that done. We'll send that right on over to you. Phillies, Braves, Mets, Marlins, whatever. Yeah, but but, uh, but not the Orioles. So now turmoil in both ownership groups. The, the learners are, are looking to sell. You've got a lawsuit among the Angelos children about the estate, and, and one older brother has taken you know too much control, and everything's very confusing. But it's a tale of two organizations in a very different place. The Nats are kind of still... I don't know if they've hit bottom just yet, but they're down there, kind of in the valley. This Orioles group, they're not bad. They're playing in a buzzsaw of a division, but they're eight games under five hundred with some young talent and even more on the way. It's just an interesting dichotomy of, as to where the Nationals were just a couple of years ago, where the Orioles are right now. And you know, for a while, those two teams were both ninety-plus win teams with guys like Manny Machado with the core of it for the Orioles, and you know, Zim and company for uh, uh, for the Nationals. But it's just been a wild odyssey over the last decade or so. But it's always just so interesting when these two teams play. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to not only these couple of games, but you know, the matchups between these two teams in the years ahead. As the Orioles, as you said, are good again, um, not quite yet, but are on their way and, and are competitive in the moment. And the Nationals are behind them in their rebuild, but hopefully. You know, both of these clubs are headed in the same direction, which is to say that a year or two from now when they're playing, there are a couple of contenders like we saw when the Orioles had Buck Showalter and the Nationals were in the middle of their runs of winning mid to high 90s games year after year over the last decade. Uh, after the couple of games in Baltimore, rare week where the Nats are off on Monday and off on Thursday. So uh, we'll uh, time up the, the pods to make sure that you guys have something to listen to later in the week as we release a new Bustin' and Loose Baseball. But then they are on to Texas, first time in Globe Life Park, brand new beautiful ballpark the Rangers play in, and then they're hosting Pittsburgh going into next week starting on Monday at the end of June on the 27th for a three-game series. I will be at a couple of those games, and here's why. Number one, love going to Nats games, and it's always exciting to be at the park. But the Pirates just called up O'Neill Cruz. He's one of my favorite players from the minors. This guy, in his debut on Monday night, drove in four runs, had a ball that he hit 112 miles an hour off the bat. He also got clocked at shortstop with the fastest throw in the infield to first base of anyone in the big leagues this year, about 97 miles an hour. Uh, he he apparently can throw over 100 off the mound if they ever asked him to. Uh, but he is an electrifying young talent in Pittsburgh. He's toolsy. He's been at AAA. His exit velocities in AAA are 
routinely around 115, 117, you know, the John Carlos Stanton Aaron Judge territory. He's the big kid in Little League. He's just so, but he's, if you've seen he's, him. He's a little guy. He's he's wiry. He's tall, but he is thin. He's skinny. He's kind of a, a rail, wiry, thin shortstop. Uh, but anyway, I can't wait to see him. And the Pirates have started to graduate some of their young talent as well. So they are just around the bend here on the schedule as well. Good stuff coming up for the Nats. I, my big thing that I'm watching here over the next couple of weeks is Juan Soto. You know, every time we think, okay, here he goes, like the big home run this weekend against Philly. Now he's getting started, and it's kind of, you know, he's gone back down and, and sort of been what he's been most of the season, hitting them in the low 200s. I'm hoping for that kickstart, that Juan Soto run, where it seems like every time he throws his bat at the ball, it, it finds some green. I'm hoping for one of those hot streaks for him. Be nice to see him really get going, and maybe more importantly, just lock in mentally. On Friday in that series against the Phillies, you know there was a question about whether or not he ran out a ball, remember? And Davey Martinez yeah. questioned his effort and questioned you know, what, he, what led to that and basically said, I need him digging. And Juan all but apologized and said, this is my own fault. I'm, I'm not going to make excuses. He is playing through a knee, which you're talking about. He's not 100%. But you don't want your superstar being questioned publicly by your manager for effort. It's never really been an issue with Juan Soto. So I hope A, he gets physically well enough that he can play as hard as he wants to, and B, maybe more importantly, mentally just gets to a point where he's having fun and he's out there enjoying himself. That's hard to do when you're losing, especially when you are used to being in a championship-level locker room in a clubhouse where you're winning most of the time and you're winning World Series titles. His early career was spent around stars in that lineup, great players up and down the order, uh, being protected well, or he was never the alpha necessarily. He was just kind of a complimentary piece on a championship-caliber team. And, and now to flip that and to be the last man standing, so to speak, among real stars in this game on a really bad team, it's really easy to just say, oh, keep going out there every day and playing the way you need to. It's hard, man. It's deflating. So he's struggling with it a little bit, and hopefully he can get back to doing things the right way all the time. I think he will. And uh, those, you know, those moments, those valleys, those tough adversity things can be nice kind of wake up calls to to lock you back in, just to to control what you can control. Because David Martinez has said it, and I don't know whether I'm borrowing the phrase for him or I've always said it too. I can't even remember the origin of it anymore. But he's trying to hit the five run homer. You could see it. I mean, he knows he's got to do something special to help the team win because otherwise they're not going to win. You can't do more than you can do. And it just so happens what he can do, just being himself, is better than pretty much everyone else on the planet. For Danny, I'm Grant saying so long. Our producer, Darius, alongside, as always, making us sound good. We will uh, get back into a more normal, busting loose baseball, including some superlatives. Uh, We will get into who's hot and who's not. And we will uh, read some of the responses we're getting, some of the comments we're getting from you guys. So say something nice, like, and subscribe, and we will shout you out on Bustin' Loose Baseball later this week. Thanks so much for listening, and enjoy Nationals Baseball.